Thanks, Alani. Uh, so my name is Matthew, and I'm from YWAM. Does anybody know uh, what YWAM is? Everybody know YWAM? Of course, we've got, a, we've got some German love coming over there to us from Josh. Uh, so YWAM Youth with a Mission, um, started by Lauren Cunningham a long time ago and the missions organization all over the world. And we love Pastor Zolani. He's a friend of our community and it's just uh, so good to be able to serve and, and be part of you uh, this morning. Um, I was uh, praying and kind of asking the Lord what he had for us this morning and to be honest, I, I had like five or six things that he was, it was just like stirring and stirring and stirring, and it was, I didn't land until about five minutes ago. So, <laughs> so we'll just see uh, what happens this morning. I think the Lord has uh, a word of encouragement for you, but also a word of correction for you. Um, I think young people particularly, I'm looking at the guys up at the top there. Can you just wave at me so I know? Okay. So, and, and the guys over there. Okay. I, I would really love for you to lean in to this. Um, just as I was uh, sitting there, I kind of got this picture for you guys particularly. It's like you've adopted the position of spectators in this church uh, rather than participants. And I just want to say to you, God's doing something in your generation in the world at the moment. Like God is profoundly active and, and powerfully moving in a younger generation. Um, and you get to either participate in that or not. God's not going to force you. Make sense? And so what determines your, the degree to which you're going to step into what God's doing in this generation is how hungry you are for it. Um, and I just want to encourage you, I don't know why you would just come on a Sunday and just sit in a pew or just sit on a, a, a place at the back there. I'm sure there's more exciting things that you could do with your Sunday, yeah? If you're in the building, then you may, be, may as well be in the family, yeah? If you're in this place, don't allow yourself to be a spectator because God has more for you than that. And I know that even as you're listening, some of you guys, you're hungry for stuff. But I just want to say, I feel like you're taking that hunger to all the wrong places. So there's like an emptiness in you. There's like an ache in you. You wake up in the morning and you're asking the question, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? What is this about? And then what you're doing, instead of taking that hunger and letting it drive you into the heart of God, that hunger is taking you and driving you to all kinds of other places. Places that even as you sit here this morning, you carry some shame about being in those places. Yeah? Does that make sense? And I just want to say to you, the Lord sees you, and He's not judging you, He's not angry with you, He just wants more for you than that. You don't have to become another casualty of a lost generation and a broken society. You can actually be light in the world, you can be salt in the earth, you can do something with your life, and it can be powerful. If as I'm speaking, is this resonating with any of these gents at the back here? Can I just ask you to be courageous, if that's you, awesome. Can you just stand up, we want to pray for you. Anybody else, as I'm talking, okay, stand up right there where you are. Because we want to see you, right? So church, I want you to look at that gent. This is your church, right? These are your people. And this church is going to thrive, not only because the people sitting down here are doing something with the Lord, but this is, this is the lifeblood of the future of this church. Yes. And so when these guys are standing and saying, Matt, something's resonating. I'm a, I just walked in the door. Okay, I don't know. I have no relationship with these people. But you do. This is your community. And so it shouldn't be okay that we come here Sunday in, Sunday out, and there's guys who are hungering for more, and we never notice that. We should, there should have something we should pour out into these guys and call them higher. But then I also want to say to you, you've got to reciprocate, right? There's the story of Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah, he's the prophet, and then he sees that the next dude who's going to come up under him is Elisha. 
So Elijah goes to Elisha and he puts the cloak as a sign of saying, you're welcome. If you want to follow me, if you want all God has for your life, you can come after me. But then what does Elijah do next? He walks away. And what does Elisha have to do? Elisha has to burn all the stuff and follow. So even if this church wanted to help you grow into the men of God that you're called to be, you've got to make a decision to burn the stuff and follow. Makes sense. So it's a two-way street, church. In one level, there's some Elijahs in this room who've walked with God, who have a, a witness and an experience and history with God, receipts in the kingdom, you know, and that you know who you are. And your job is to see the Elishas. You're not done yet. A friend of mine, Roger, he would always say, if you're not dead, you're not done. Yeah? If you're not dead, you, so did you wake up this morning? Yeah, well, God's got mandate for your life then. Yeah? So if you're not dead, you're not done. And particularly the older generation, your work, what matters now is that you begin to pour out everything that's been poured in over a lifetime. That's what matters now. And I just feel like I want to just, def- boop, boop, bah, just defibrillate this place. You know, like, like we got to wake up and see there's a mission. There's a whole generation of people who need awakening. And you don't need much. Jesus changed the world with 12. We can do something in Kloof with two standing. You with me? So can I, can I get us to just stir up a little bit there? So gents, we see you. In fact, what I'd love to do, if I can pressure you even a little bit more, and this is why I want to do this, because it's easy for us to stand in a building like this. It's going to be a lot harder in an hour's time when you walk out the door to stand in society. It's going to be a lot harder. So if we can't do it radically here, we'll never do it radically there. Okay. So that's why this whole idea of like every head bowed, every eye closed, if you can just slip up your hand, we see that. That's unhelpful. Because what's that creating is that's creating timid Christianity. It's creating a faith that's based on a kind of salvation that counted no cost to enter in the door of Jesus. Yes? So can I push you guys? If you're hungry for God, and if you haven't stood yet, amen, you can stand now. There's always second chances. Come down here, actually. If you're hungry for God, if what I'm saying is like working for you, come down the stairs, come stand here. We want to pray for you. Come. And then can I ask, are there any Elijahs in the house, any like fathers of this house? And as I'm talking, you were saying, man, that is burning in me. I want to pour my life out for a younger generation. I feel I still, I'm not dead and I'm not done. I still got some stuff to give. Are there any Elijahs who would be willing to come pray for some young men and just pray an an impartation over these guys? I just want to ask. Absolutely. Elijah S's. Come on. Anybody else? Thank you. Please come. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay. Yeah. I had a vision of a, of a bubble. A vision of a bubble. I had a vision of a bubble over, uh, over this congregation. And we're looking, I know we, this church is looking for breakthrough, but the breakthrough is going to come from you and nobody else. We have to push in and break through the principalities and powers over this, over the world, over this country, over this area, over, over this suburb is, is holding us back. Yeah. But the power that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And it's required of us to break through. Azusa Street, great revival in the 1932s, I think it was around then. And now in Ashbury University in the States, there's great revival taking place. 
And that's what I believe this is going to happen in this church, but it's up to the young people. Yeah. It's, about us, it's about the, the older the generation with the wisdom that you have, with all the gray hairs and the things that you've been through to feed into these people, young, these young people. Amen. And, and I just want to say, I know for some of you, like you, this is a big call. I'm just excited that I got out of bed and got here in the morning. You know what I mean? Like my life is hard right now. I get that. But I just want to say, if you're not dead, you're not done. And I believe that God has ability to strengthen you for His purposes right up to your last breath. But that's a perspective issue. We've got to lean in and trust that there's grace for us, even in our weakness, even in our tiredness, even when we're at the end of ourselves. We don't give up. God has more for us still. And it doesn't serve us, guys, to come. And I'm going to speak to this in just a second when we're done with this. It doesn't serve us to come here Sunday in, Sunday out, do the thing, go home, eat lunch, have a nap. What, what is the point? Are you with me? If we believe that God is real, if we believe that Jesus has called us into relationship with him, then we must take hold of that thing. We must enter into that. And this is not hype. Okay, I'm not trying to adrenaline us here. There's no nice organ behind me. I'm not I've got nothing to wipe over here. Okay? What I'm trying to do is stir biblical faith in the room to say that I don't live by sight. I live by faith. There's something else happening here. There's another kingdom operating. And we want to live into that. And it doesn't make us bad people when we fall asleep to that reality. It just makes us normal people. But sometimes we just need an awakening. Okay, so uh, here we have this army of young people. Gents, thank you. Amazing that you're standing here. I know it's awkward because I'm talking. You're standing here like, what am I supposed to do now? But here you are, okay? Here you are. God has plan and purpose for your life. God has plan and purpose for your life. You are made for more than just playing Xbox and scrolling Instagram and getting lost in doom scrolling. You with me? You're made for more than just like worrying what people think about you, looking to the left or the right. I'm not in the cool group. Oh man, I wish I was in the cool group. If only I could be this or that. The Lord says, no, I've called you for something. I've put a name and a purpose on you. You're made for more than shame that weighs down in your shoulders, stuff that you've looked back in your past and wish, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that stuff. Or the family that you come from and maybe words that have been spoken over you, you're not good enough, you're never gonna make it, right? Jesus is saying, those are not the words I've spoken over your life. You're made for more than that. Makes sense. Now is the time. The church of Jesus is awakening, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. It's a different kind of church that's coming. Let me tell you, the old is passing away. There is a new thing coming, and I believe that you guys are going to be at the forefront of that, but what I don't want this to be is just a moment. I don't want you to just be like, ah, I remember that moment all those years ago. I just prayed that prayer. No, no, no. Jesus says this. He says, if you're going to follow me, count the cost of that. Nobody just starts building a house without first looking. Do they have the budget? Can they afford it? Nobody goes to war without figuring out who the people I'm going to fight against. Can I handle that? And so there's the crowds, and everyone wants the free bread that Jesus is giving, yeah? And Jesus looks at the crowd and says, careful, it's going to cost you to follow me. So I'm going to push you even further. I'm so glad you came to the front, but I'm going to push you even further, just like Jesus, our rabbi. He's crazy, this rabbi guy, I'm telling you. If you are thinking right now, and I want you to take a moment, we're going to be real quiet. Just you and God, I want you to search your heart, and I want you to say, Jesus, do I really want you? Like really, really. And if you really, really want God, I'm gonna ask you to do one more thing. I'm gonna ask you to get on your knees, on the floor. Not before us, but before your Father. And say, my life is yielded to you, and I want more of you, God. And if that's what you want, then when you get on your knees, we're gonna pray for those guys. We're gonna pray for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So take a moment in the quiet, and all of us, you are participating in this as well, right? If you're tired of dead religion, the, the form of religion without the power thereof. And you can get on your knees in front of that chair right now. Jesus is not a respecter of places or persons, right? He can do a thing.
So let's just take a moment of quiet. Listen to the Lord. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right here? Why are you here now? And then as you feel prompted, then we'll give you a moment and we can, those of us who want to respond, let's do that. Awesome, we see that. Anybody else want to get on their knees before the king of the universe? Amazing. So I want to caution us, don't be pressured by the crowd. This is not a crowd decision. This is a you decision. The only reason you're getting on your knees right now is if you want to submit your life before Jesus. And anyone out here as well, you don't have to be at the front for this right now. We see you. Thank you, guys. Man, I honor and respect that. It's not easy to get on your knees. That's incredible. Anybody else? Yeah, Father, we know that this is uh, not comfortable, but your kingdom's not comfortable. It's hard to break people out of prison, Jesus. Those doors don't open easy, and we're not going to unlock them with just a gentle blowing on the, on the lock. We need some dynamite here, God. We just want to honor every single person right now. We see these people who are on their knees before the Father. We want to pray over them, Jesus. We want to pray particularly for this younger generation. These gents right here, God, we're praying this wouldn't be a moment, but that this would be a catalyst. Father, that this would be an awakening for them to a brand new mission, a brand new purpose in the earth. Father, we're praying that we don't, we don't want to name what success looks like to you, God. We don't want to even pray that this church would be full. Maybe that's not what you want to do, Jesus. What we're praying is for a deep, burning passion in the hearts of these young people. We pray that they would hunger and thirst for you, Father as the deer pants for the water, that their soul would long after you, Jesus. We pray that, that, we, that you would salt their lips for you so that they would thirst for you, God. Make them so hungry for your presence that they couldn't get enough. We pray that you would ruin their appetites for everything less than Jesus. That's what we're praying for, God. And we pray for this church, Lord God. We pray for the same. Every single person who's on their knees now, every single person who's submitted before you, Lord, we thank you for the spirit of repentance. We thank you for the spirit of revelation that says you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We recognize that we're in the presence of holiness right now, Jesus. I recognize that for myself. And we're praying, Lord God, that this spirit, what you're doing in the room right now, Father, let this be a marking of this community going forward. You've spoken this over this community, Sarepta, Zarephath. This community of faith, this community of outpouring of the oil, Jesus. We're praying that this is what it would be marked by, God. We pray that this would be the end of dead religion in this building. 
We pray that this would be the end of dead traditions in this building, Lord. We pray for the awakening of the Holy Spirit in this place, Lord God, to be stirring in people's lives. That eyes would be opened and minds would be opened and lives would be surrendered to the reality of a living God. A Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, who has poured out His Spirit into our hearts that we may know Him. Father, we're praying for this, Jesus. We're praying for unity in this body, Jesus. Deep reconciliation, God. We're praying for a oneness of spirit and mind in the mission of God that you've called them to in this place for this time. Just bless you, Lord. If you are uh, an older person or anyone, you you just want to pray. Just pray together in tongues. Just pray out whatever's on your heart. Let's just kind of raise up slowly. Just let prayers just start coming out. Prayers for one another. Prayers for these young people. You don't need a microphone to do that. Let's just be praying. Just be ministering right now. Come on, Jesus. Thank you, 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 Jesus. I just want to, if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, like if we keep ministering, keep praying, but if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, one of two reasons, either you're new to Christianity or you're too familiar with it. Those are the two reasons you would be feeling uncomfortable right now. Now, if you're new, if you're just coming to check it out, and we can have a coffee later, we'll explain to you all what's going on, and you're so welcome here. If you're uncomfortable right now because this is breaking the mold of Sunday church for you, 
I really want to challenge you. What you're seeing right now has always been the church. This has always been the church. In the early church, the, the group of people that overthrew the Roman Empire were not a group of people who were limited by Sunday services. Are you with me? This is the church. What's happening here, this is church. And if when you think church, you think a good coffee, three worship songs, some announcements, a sermon, and then home, you don't know what church is. This is church. This is Christianity. Are you, are you with me? So if you're feeling uncomfortable, it's one of those two things. It's, you're new here? I get it. It's weird. We're weird. Christians are weird. It's weird. It's okay. We can talk about that later. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but if you're uncomfortable because you're too familiar with Christianity, oh my gosh, I pray you'd be liberated from that. I pray that you would see how empty that religion is. It has no power to save you. Maybe that's why you keep going round and round in circles. This is church. Yeah? Um, so I, had, I have this strong sense, and I, I apologize in advance. Um, when Paul writes to the Ephesian church, he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And it's easy for us as a church to fall into a trap of thinking that everything that we are fighting against is spiritual. Right now, in this present moment, God is asking us to break our traditions and the rules that we have put on Jesus and misrepresented him. He's calling out the older generation and saying, these people, these young people have been looking unto you, and you have misrepresented me in so many ways, and it's time for you to repent so that these people can fall in love with the Jesus that you profess. And if we can't get to that place, if we can't get to that place of saying, Jesus, I'm sorry I've misrepresented you. We are not going to continue presenting him in the light that he wants us to in the outside world. Some of us here are part of why these children are broken inside the church. And if we can't get to that place, then we might as well close the doors and go home. I work with a lot of young people. A lot. And it's not that they don't like Jesus or they don't love Jesus. They love Jesus, but the only reference they have of Jesus is their mothers and fathers who do not represent Jesus. We are asking God and Jesus to touch the lives of these young people, but he says, I will touch them through you. We need to ask ourselves the question, what imprint have we left on these young people? And if we search our hearts and we know that we have damaged these young people in the name of Jesus, then we need to own up, repent, and continue touching these people in the right name of Jesus. So, Lord, lots going on this morning. We thank you for your spirit. And uh, we just want to um,
We thank you that the kingdom of God is like a seed and it's scattered and then it finds different kinds of soil. Sometimes it falls in good soil. Sometimes it falls in bad soil. We pray that whatever's happening right now would find its way to the soil of, uh, of open and ready hearts. That it wouldn't just grow up too quickly and then get choked up by the cares of this world. That it wouldn't be snatched away by the birds, but that it take root in this community. We pray you give them wisdom and strategy about how to steward what you are stirring here. We pray for selflessness and unity. We pray for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. James, I want to ask you not to go back up there. I want you to find a seat in your church. Is that okay? So, uh, <laughs> what, uh, what time? Half past we're supposed to end? Okay, I'm going to land this uh, moment in something biblical so that we know that this is not just some crazy man from YWAM doing things. Okay. Uh, when I was uh, asking the Lord what we could talk about for you, I was taken to, well, I felt him say, um, it's in the name. It's in the name. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, what? look at the name of the church. And uh, the name of the church is Sarepta. You know, now, I didn't know this, but Sarepta comes from Zarephath. And those of you who know your Bibles will know that there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 17 about a widow of Zarephath. And um, <clears throat> I'm going to read it real quick. I'm going to bring out one or two points, and then we're going to land the plane. I'll try and be so quick, Solani. It's important that we land what's happening in Scripture, okay, so that so it's not just ideas and thoughts and experiences, but I believe in the Word of, of God, and I believe it's powerful. So, 1 Kings chapter 17, the Word of the Lord came to, to uh, Jeremiah, sorry, Elijah, <laughs> Elijah, arise, go to Zarephath, go to Sarepta. Which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. <laughs> do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. Quickly, to understand this, we have to understand the context. Uh, the king of Israel at the time, Ahab, had a girlfriend whose name was Jezebel, 
And so Israel had fallen into idolatry. And they were worshiping the God of Baal. Now what's really interesting is that among many things, God of Baal is the God of rain. And so Elijah commands a drought because it's an attack on the God of rain. And the thing I wanted to say is that sometimes we find ourselves in a drought and we think it's the enemy. But what it really is, is God attacking our idols. I feel like this church has experienced something of a drought. And maybe you've been praying against it. But I want to say that maybe you've been in a season of God attacking your idols. Because when we see the nation of Israel, we see the, we see the cyclical right through the judges, right? The, the Israel is good. They, they love God, they worship God, then they get in places of power, influence, affluence. What happens? They forget God, they worship idols, the nation falls apart, then God has to send a judge. Then they remember, they repent, then they love God, they worship God, they're in affluence, power. What happens? They forget, they sin, idols. They, you see the cycle? What happens with us in our faith is we love God, we're so close to God in our moments of need, and then He rescues us. And then because we're just like Israel, when he rescues us, it's not very long before we forget. And then when we forget, we start getting into bed with idols. We start being just like Ahab and having Jezebel as a girlfriend. And we're putting all our confidence, not in God, but in other things. And so quickly, the nation of Israel loses its state as the people of God. And it starts to look like the nations all around it, because now fake gods have walked in there. I want to ask you, is it possible that Sarepta Church was in a season where the Lord was moving powerfully in your midst and there was strength and there was flourishing, there was life? And is it possible that at that place in your comfort, maybe, just maybe, some idolatry slipped in there? Yeah? And the power that once marked your community, the devotion that once marked your community, man, started to wane and dwindle And then there was the season of droughts, and now you've been struggling, going, where did the drought come from? And is it possible that maybe God has called a a war against the God of rain in your life and in this community? Is it possible that this has been a pruning season to call you back to what God has called you to? Is it possible that maybe Sarepta Church started to look a little bit too like its surrounding neighbors and not enough like the people of God? And he's spoken this word Sarepta over this community. Names are powerful in scripture and they're powerful in the kingdom. He's spoken it over this community because that's part of his intention. But is it possible that you've been in a season where God's been pruning, pulling out, pulling out the idol from your life, where there's been a word from God that stopped the rain (laughs) so that you'd stop relying on the God of rain and start relying on the God of the Bible. Is that possible? Does that resonate? Any hands in the air? If you just agree, okay, at least one. I'm not gonna be stoned, amen. And then final thing, God then sends Elijah to a widow in Zarephath. Really big deal, why? Because widows were the lowest on the social scale. Not only was she a widow, she was a Gentile widow. So a Syrophoenician widow. So in a culture where Gentiles were the worst, people of God, Israel, God sends the prophet to a widow Gentile. You cannot get more bottom of the bottom than that. Here's the powerful thought around that. If God can't work through his chosen people, he'll choose all the people that the world doesn't expect. And so God goes to a widow in Zarephath 
and sends the prophet there. Now, what's this widow doing? Picking up sticks. What's she trying to do? Make her last meal before she dies. And then the prophet says to her, okay, just make me something to eat as well. And she goes, now it's an it's a honor culture, so she's like, okay, I guess. But what she's really thinking is, oh my gosh, we're going to die. So she tells him that. And then anyone with any kind of social intelligence at all goes, oh, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. But not Elijah. He's like, yeah, make me the food. <laughs> it's like, that's the most insensitive thing I've ever heard. Yes? Why? Because faith calls us beyond what's normal. Faith calls us beyond what's possible. Faith calls us beyond what's comfortable. Faith calls us beyond what's polite. Faith calls us beyond what's appropriate. And so there's a, there's a whole community over here maybe going, man, I think I've got just enough for one more meal. And what you would expect is, there, there, it's okay, go enjoy your meal. But that's not the word of the Lord. The Lord, word of the Lord would come into your perceived lack and tell you, go make me some food. Yeah? Put your faith into action. Do something with the little that you have, and I will make it multiply. And so these, the, there's this idea. And what we've seen this morning, I wanted to land this experience in this story. Because what we're seeing is, is the people we least expected, all the widows of Zarephath. And that's what's happening in the earth at the moment, by the way. Because you're not alone. The church, particularly in the West, has, has lost the plot. And there is a repentance moving, sweeping across the church. And I want to say, if the church won't repent, then God will go to Zarephath. He'll find, he will raise up a remnant from some, somewhere else. Jesus is not passively sitting by while we play around with our coffee and kids' entertainment spaces. He's like, you better be the church. And if you won't be the church, church, I'll go find the church somewhere else. <laughs> That's what God's doing because he's serious about this thing. He's serious about his glory. And so the invitation to Sarepta is, Man, return to who you are. Hey, Zarephath, be Zarephath again. Be Zarephath again, yeah? And you're going, oh, but we don't have enough. I just got enough to go and make a meal for my kid before I die. Jesus is saying, if you'll just bring me that, I'll do something with it. Because that's what's been spoken over your community. And you might say, but who are we? We're not that church down the road or that church down the road. We're just like, look like, look at us. And Jesus says, yeah, that's why I went to Zarephath. Because I specialize in finding widows who are Gentiles, I specialize in taking the least, the people who least expect to be used by God. That's fertile ground for a revival. Yes, if you'll just submit yourself to him, lean in and use the little you have for the great things he wants to do. So all I would say, Sarepta, return to the name that's been spoken over you as a community. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for this church. We thank you for what you've done here this morning and are doing in this community. We want to pray for wisdom and strategy to help the leadership in this community steward what you're stirring in this place. We want to pray for more, God, more fire, more hunger. I pray you would consistently disrupt any gravitational pull back to the, the ordinary, back to the familiar. I pray that you would be disruptive in this place unto holiness, unto encounter, unto renewal, unto your church, unto your glory, unto the fullness of life that you have come to give, Jesus. We thank you that for some, this has been like taking a deep breath of fresh air. Thank you that you have comforted the disturbed in this place this morning. And for some, this has been like a slap in the face. Thank you that you have disturbed the comfortable this morning. We are so grateful for that, Lord. And we pray for more, and we just trust that this church will continue to go to strength for strength in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you, Matt. Uh, we just pray for YWAM as well. Just pray for the provision touch. We just pray that they may continue spreading the word of God, whatever they do. And uh, at the pastor's retreat, one thing that we have learned, and uh, it really touched me uh, this week at Retriever, we were, there were all the pastors. And I just wanted to say, just pray for the pastors. Because they're going through a difficult time and they don't have anyone to talk to. And one, Alexander Fentai said something that strikes me. He said, what we think is a revival, it's not right. Revival begins in our own heart as well. And then it's hard to prove the revival from our heart. But he said, what we're going to see a real revival, it will be the pouring of the Spirit where people repent and coming from that gate to say that I've been in encounter with Jesus without any speakers, without any microphones, without anything that will get it to hype up. It, that will be called a revival. But now the revival needed to start to begin in our own heart. And my prayer is that Go in a week where we're actually crying out for the revival of our heart. Crying out that the Lord will guide our heart. In Jesus' name, I'm not preaching. Thank you, man. You bless you. And we love you guys. I love you. Come on, come on. Bring it out. <laughs>